I had no idea that Mike Myers was uh, Dr. Evil and Fat Bastard. Like, no idea that that was him until this year. Hey guys, you're listening to Drunken Uncultured. We are a drinking problem masquerading as a pop culture podcast. I'm Lindsay. I'm Stephanie. I don't know why you're looking at me like that. You took a really long pause and like held your breath for a really long oh, time I, before like, you did this. I couldn't remember how to start the podcast off. <laughs> I listened to a bunch of episodes today and like to keep take a take note of in our spreadsheet of like what we've been drinking, drinking and whatnot. And like I could not remember how we start the episode. That makes a lot more sense now. I was very confused as to why you looked so confused. I was confused. That's why. <laughs> Um, so it's the first episode of the month, and as per usual, Stephanie will come at you with her music update. Yeah, so we are going to talk about some of my favorite albums that came out in the month of October. Is that right? Yep. It's November? Okay. Oh, it is November. It is November. It is November. (laughs) Um, okay, so my first one came out on October 2nd. It is the band Working Men's Club. And uh, their album is titled Working Man's Club. So this was their debut album. They are from West Yorkshire. And their sound is really cool because it's a combination of like techno beats with a post-punk sound. It was very cool. Um, I did not see their album listed on any releases anywhere. But because I'm a part of that Idols fan page Facebook group, someone shared their music it's like, hey, debut album, everybody listen to it. And I was like, this is really good. And then all of a sudden, I'm seeing a bunch of reviews for it pop up on the internet. So uh, it's very good. Yeah, so I gave this a 9 and a 10. Um, It was very good. Cool. It was a very different take on the traditional post-punk sound that we've been listening to a lot of lately. So it was very cool. Uh, Next one, it came out on October 9th. It is the band Future Islands, and their new album is called As Long As You Are. So I love Future Islands. They've been making really good music for a really long time. And I think this album was a bit of a kind of like a throwback in style to some of their music from the early 2010s and when they first came out. So I really liked it. It was very good. Um, I also gave this a 9 out of 10. And honestly, Future Islands never disappoints me. I love them very much. I always get a little confused when you talk about Future Islands because I think the Lonely Island. Ah, that's very relevant to today's topic. Um, I just always think that. Then the next one came out on 1016. It is Matt Beringer. That's how you say his last name, I think. I think so. It's the lead singer of The National. Um, He released his first solo album. It's called Serpentine Prison. Um, It's a little bit of like a softer sounding version of the national so with a little a little more spaced out in the music more room to breathe as it's mostly just him singing it was very good i absolutely loved it i gave it a 10 out of 10 10 stephanies yeah it's a big number of stephanies um it's the most stephanies you can get well not the most but that's the most anyone's ever gotten <laughs> that's true <laughs> i could go for uh, an elusive 11 if i'm getting a real salt or a real sassy here uh, the next two both came out on October 23rd. So the first one I'm going to talk about is The Mountain Goats and their new album, Getting Into Knives. 
Um, this album has much more of like a dad rock sound than the normal Mountain Goats music, but honestly, I thought it was super catchy and I really enjoyed it. And I got a really cute gold version of the final and it came with a patch that says getting into knives and I got to put that on something <laughs> and I don't know what yet, but I gave this a nine out of 10. I thought it was fun. Um, the first single that they released was called as many candles as possible. And that's by far the best song on the album. Then the last one is the new album from Gorillaz. So their album is called Song Machine Season 1. And this was a really cool album because every single song is a collaboration of sorts. So it's featuring one or two artists on top of Gorillaz. And they have some really unique collaborations. So like Chai and JPEG Mafia mm -hmm. are on the same song. That like, sounds fantastic too. It is really good. Yeah. So... They have these really odd collaborations, and they work so well. Mm -hmm. Like, so well. Yeah. Also, they did a bit in Animal Crossing for the song Valley of the Pagans, where it's the Beck song, uh -huh. and it's Beck and Damon Albarn in Animal Crossing. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. It's very cute. That is cute. That does sound cute. Yeah. So, that album was fantastic. I'm absolutely obsessed with it, and I gave it a perfect 10. Oh, wow. There's two 10s this month. Yes, there are. That's like... Not a thing. Yeah, but are you that surprised? It's the guy, the lead singer of the National and Gorillas. No, I get it. I just um, that never happens. You always compare them, and you're like, oh, I can't get a, a ten for. But this these reason. were I listened to them on at. I guess I listened to them both a week apart. So if they came out the same day, I think I would have thought differently. Got it. Then if you would have picked one, yeah. Okay. But they came out two different weeks, so I think that's why I rated them differently. Okay, got it. Because I listened to them at different times. Interesting. Makes sense. Cool. Um, so let's get into the beer. So, um, Stephanie, what are we drinking? This week we are drinking another beer from we brought back from Denver. So we are going to be drinking Times Arrow from our mutual friend Brewing. The can is like this black matte label with um, like some holographic print, I think. It doesn't look like it's... Um, I don't know. I can't tell if the ink's holographic or if the label's holographic. I think it's just the color of the printing that they did it just maybe it's not even holographic i think it just might be the the condensation yeah but like also like to the gradient makes it a little, yeah. a little bit holographic so this beer is a west coast style ipa 7.7 percent um the can has like a nice little blurb about our mutual friend uh and it says our mutual friend began in 2012 from the vision of a few friends eager to create a brewery as a third space catalyst for building community and relationships at the heart of our brewing philosophy is a commitment to locally sourced ingredients wherever po whenever possible alongside a hands-on small batch brewing method we pour ourselves into each beer brewed and hope you enjoy this culmination of i don't know why i was like accumulation <laughs> Of science, creativity, and possibility coming together in beverage form. With gratitude, cheers. I think that's cute. It also says dang at the it bottom. It does say dang. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, it has a nice little, like, um, like recycling symbol that says to remove the label and recycle, which I don't actually see often in... Um, it's the, the Removing this label is going to be a bitch, so... No, I, I get like it. I like that they have the label on there, but it's really hard to remove this. Oh, that's... Not what I expected. It tastes a lot fresher than I expected it to because this was canned in what, July, August? I don't know. I was actually a little afraid because I know I've run into some 
experiences the last couple of weeks where I've picked up beer even at local breweries here in Chicago that was canned in the late summer and it tastes very old. So this does not taste old, which is very nice. Also, we drank this and we were at our mutual friend. We were in We Denver. did. Yeah, I think this is one of the beers that we had that we like decided to get. Yeah. Well, I gave it good ratings um, then, even though I was drunk. Well, so. so when I said it doesn't taste what I expected it to taste like, it's almost a little like juicier than I'd expect it to taste for like being a West Coast. A West Coast, yeah, that's fair. It smells piney and resiny. It still has that, but... I think it's got a bit more of a softness to it than yeah. your standard piney, resiny West right. Coast. Right, I expect it to be, like, more of a dank flavor yeah. for a West Coast, but, but it's, it's, like, it's a kind of nice. West Coast. Yeah, it's kind of nice. I like that. It's almost like a mix between a West Coast and a New England, like, yeah. something in between or, there. dare I say, a no coast. It, yeah, I mean... <laughs> I hate that phrase so much. so controversial? I hate that phrase so much. I've seen it places and I can't stop thinking about it. Um, I just like, I think it's nice that it's not a super like pungent, in your face, punchy West Coast. Like it's yeah. a little bit more drinkable. It tastes very light for it right. being 7.7%. Right. It's very drinkable for being like a West, for like, I mean, I love West Coast too, but. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a little bit more crushable than a West Coast typically Say, we gonna is. get drunk tonight drinking this. Yeah, I mean, we do have two of their beers open in front yeah, of Yeah, I know. We're, we literally, what you guys can't see is that we also have other beer that's already open in front of us. Also from our mutual friend. Yeah. Um, so this beer is brewed with Citra and Idaho 7 hops. So like we said, it's very light for what we expect with a West Coast IPA, but mm-hmm. I like it a lot. Yeah, I would too. So do you have three words? So my three words to describe this beer are, I'm still going to say piney because I get some of it up on the mm-hmm. front flavor. I'm going to say floral because I think that's kind of like in the middle there. I'm going to say crushable is the last one. I'm going to say dangerous is the last one. Okay. Because for it being... This light in flavor and this easy to drink, I would get fucked the fuck up. So I was gonna about to be like, this is so last last episode we had the same three words, and I was about to be like, wow, another episode where we have the same three words. But I would also say piney and floral, but instead of dangerous, I wanted to say crushable. I was gonna say crushable, but it's dangerously crushable. Okay, so um, now that we have gone through the beer, um, we can get into the episode. Yes. I don't know why I said it like that. Uh, so for this episode, we are talking about um, like kind of a... How long has it been? Like 45 years? Yeah, it's the, so the, the, the anniversary took place in October, but obviously October we were busy celebrating Halloween. Spooktober. So, today we're going to talk about the 45th anniversary of Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Um, it's like an institution, really. Yeah. I feel like anyone that's anyone comedy-wise has done SNL. Or if you've experienced any kind of satire or political yeah. comedy or cultural comedy. I feel like everyone knows Saturday Night Live. Yeah, everyone does. And it's like a rite of passage for most comedians that like do any kind of like improv or um, skit. 
thing. I was like, okay, skit, what? What are you trying to say? I don't know. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we're going to talk about that. So Stephanie, you want to take us through some history? The first thing I was going to say, so, uh, I'm actually really curious about this and I made us do this last episode. So I like that I'm starting the episodes with this now. What is your first experience with anything to do with SNL? I honestly don't know. I feel like SNL has just been there my entire life and I could not tell you like, the first time I'd ever seen anything. I, yeah. I just, like, feel like I remember it being there. And, like, watching, um, like, skits and, like, clips and sketches. I, I mean, maybe, like, The Lonely Island when I was in, like, middle school? Was that middle school time or high school? I think that was high school. Like, I feel like my first, like, real memory is I'm on a boat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's actually true or if I had seen, like, some other sketches before that, but that's, like, my, I guess my, the first thing I think about when you ask me that is, like, I'm on a boat. So, the first time I remember seeing anything from SNL, and actually, I, like, I knew, I kind of knew it was a show. I feel like my parents never watched it because they went to bed early and my brothers never talked about it. But the first time I really remember seeing anything to do with it was um, before the 2008 election. Was that when? Uh, yeah, it would have been high school. So it was the 2008 presidential election. And it's when Tina Fey was portraying Sarah Palin. And Paris Amy- Allen. <laughs> yeah. And um, Amy Poehler was Hillary Clinton. And that's the I can see Russia from my house bit. Yeah, I said that Lonely Island, like I'm on a boat. That was 2009 because I just looked it up. Mm -hmm. So it definitely, I definitely had seen stuff before that Mm because I remember um, Tina Fey as Sarah Palin, like vividly and watching clips of like the political stuff. And I think maybe like my first experience is probably that because I feel like I remember like some Obama stuff. Yeah. um, Was probably that. But, like, I don't think I really, like, paid attention to SNL before that. Yeah, I think we were young enough where, where, so, SNL was kind of, I I think it was created for, like, the 18 to 34 audience, and we obviously would have been teenagers during the 2008 election, and I just, I'm sure there were other times I had seen something, like, a clip from it or something before them, but, like, vividly, I remember seeing after the fact, after it aired, and, like, going on YouTube and looking it up, was the, uh, that particular sketch. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, I think that that's, I think my, like, first memory, I guess, in that case would be, like, political sketches. Yeah. Um, I can't really think of anything I would have watched. The only thing I may have seen before then was the Blue Oyster Cult more cowbell. I feel like I may have oh. seen that, have, have seen that prior. Yeah. But. Yeah, um, I think, like, we were probably just too young to really be watching yeah. SNL at that also, point. Also, I still struggle to stay up. I grew up on so East, Eastern Time. If I'm not hammered, I don't normally stay up that late. <laughs> what is it, like, 10 o'clock? Yeah, here. Here, but it, yeah. It, we both grew up in Eastern Time, so... Would have been on like 11. 11, yeah. That's so late. I know. And they're like filming it in New York. So like they're filming it late too. Yeah. I don't know how they're staying up. No, I don't know. Makes me tired just thinking about it. 
Um, okay, so let me go into the... I'll go through a brief history of SNL. Um, so the show itself premiered on October 11th of 1975. The show actually was originally titled NBC's Saturday Night because there was another show on air at the time that actually had, was titled Saturday Night Live at the time. Mm. Um, so they couldn't take that name. Till as of well, as of the day we well, as of today, the day we are releasing this episode, there have been eight hundred and ninety-five episodes of the show across forty-six seasons. That's so many. It's yeah. always wild to me. Yeah, there's been a hundred and fifty-six different cast members as well across forty-six seasons. Do you know what, like, the shortest amount of time a cast member has been on the show for? Like, probably a season only? Maybe. Maybe less? So, I think the most iconic phrase, and this is comes from back in the day when the show was called NBC Saturday Night. That's why they say, live from New York, it's Saturday Night. Yeah, I read um, a fact that Chevy Chase was the first person to ever say that. Oh, I hate Chevy Chase. I know, everyone should. Um, but that comes from him. Yeah. So the show was actually developed as a replacement for the best of Carson reruns of The Tonight Show because Johnny Carson wanted to take the weekend shows and get them and save them for like weeknight airing so that he could have some time off rather than working seven days a week. So the show was actually formed as a high concept comedy political satire show with musical performances yeah, and it was aimed to attract 18 to 34-year-olds. The very first host of SNL was actually George Carlin. So I read that the show, the original concept was to have three rotating hosts, and it was just going to be the three of them rotating throughout the season. And then it ended up that uh, the, the three hosts were Lily Tomlin, Richard Pryor, and George Carlin, and then Richard Pryor did like one episode and then backed out. So mm -hmm. they that's when they started doing, you know, a unique host each episode. Yeah, and I feel like it's like a big career thing is to like host mm -hmm. SNL. It's like I've seen like people prepare for like weeks. Oh yeah. To like host Usually SNL. well Right now, during well, yeah. the COVID world, you find out a few days in advance that they're going to be on SNL. Yep. But, like, in normal times, you would find out, like, several weeks in yep. advance who the hosts are going to be the upcoming weeks. And then it's a really big deal when uh, the musical guest is also the host, because I believe Miley Cyrus has done that, and she's talked about Harry how Harry Styles was, has yeah. done that. And they've talked about how it's, like, really difficult yeah. to be able to do all of that. Yeah, and um, it, that's actually really interesting talking about that, because Adele was recently the host, but not the musical guest, mm -hmm. because she didn't want to do both. Yep. Yes, I think it's really difficult to mm -hmm. be able to do both because you're running around, like, getting ready for sketches and preparing for sketches and on top and of that. And having to, like, wear out your voice doing sketches. Yeah. And you have to sing and then you have to go back. Yep. But, um, the, obviously the show is built around a, yes, a cast of comedians, but they also have a huge group of behind-the-scenes writers working alongside yep. them. Some of them end up, um, some of them say out that they're writers after their time on the show mm -hmm. some of them are writers before their time on the show and then there's people like john mulaney who was a writer and then just became a stand-up yeah <laughs> he was never actually on the show even though he worked on the show for so many years well he was never like a cast member right. yeah but That's he like I mean. appeared every yeah. now and then yeah yeah um 
The original cast of the show, actually, it's really crazy looking back at some of these names. Uh, Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi, Chevy Chase, Jane Curtin, Garrett Morris, um, Lorraine Newman, Michael Donahue, Gilda Radner, and George Coe. And those were that was the original cast. So that's a really small cast if you think about it. Yeah, that is compared really small to cast compared to like now, yeah. Yeah. So the history though is that most of these, even then, and it's especially well known now, most of these cast members have a history of improv, specifically improv and mm-hmm. comedy writing. And a lot of them come from the Groundlings, Second City, Upright Citizens Brigade, and IO. Yeah, I was going to say the last three for sure. I've never heard of Groundlings, but that makes... Groundlings is in California. Okay. Um, it's more of a sketch type yeah. improv, I guess, where it's not as like... I don't know, but the Groundlings are very famous as well. A lot of... Groundlings is really well known because a lot of their people did Mad TV. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. Which obviously, similar to SNL, a little bit more sketch related. Um, But it's really well known, I mean, especially with us being here in Chicago. mm -hmm. For Second City. Oh, yeah. Second City. Like, that's the whole thing is people go to Second City with the hopes of one day being on SNL. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've I've seen that, like, almost everyone on SNL has, or if not everyone, had done a stint at Second City. Or Groundlings is the other yeah. big one. One of the, one of these, like, major improv comedy writing schools. Yep. Um, all right, well, do you want to get into just some, like... Yeah, we can just talk through some other stuff, um... A couple interesting things I was reading. So this was probably in the 90s and er- like early 2000s. This was a thing. Um, yeah, so it says 1999, the 2000s, they started it. Um, new hires were tied to a contract that was allowing NBC to make the cast member a part of a sitcom. And it could keep them tied up anywhere from six to 12 years between SNL and the sitcom. Mm-hmm. And you were forced into it yep. if you signed on. Which seems like you and I were talking about this. It seems like a great idea. Like you're employed for all these years. But if you think about it in the long run, like you don't get a choice. you're tied up and you have no choice. The other really interesting thing, um, you also as a cast member could be optioned to appear in films produced by Paramount Pictures and SNL. So you could get tied up to um, like a film as well as a cast member just because of your contract as being a cast member on SNL. Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of wild that... um, I mean, SNL is such like a... exclusive gig. Yeah. And it's kind of like a career career maker for a lot of people oh yeah that they can kind of ask for those things and a lot of like young eager comic like comics will just sign up for it because like what out because they want to be on it yeah like it's exposure they can do other things afterwards if they're when they're done i've actually i don't know if this figure is correct but so i think it's really well known if you work in improv yeah. And as a normal person, you don't make any money. Right. I've heard that the cast of SNL 
even starting out, you can make like $5,000 an episode. Um, yeah, so I just read this online and it's like $4,000 a week, which would yeah. be like that for an episode. Yeah. But I've also like heard that you work crazy the hours, hours are insane. Yeah, I've yeah. heard that too. One other really interesting thing about the show, and we had mentioned that like sometimes musical guests will be the yep. host and the artist. So one really interesting thing when the show was created, it was decided that musical guests could not lip sync. Mm-hmm. It had to be done live. Yeah. So in 1975, ABBA is the first group to ever do a full, fully lip synced performance. Mm-hmm. And that's because they argued that they were so heavily focused on their dance routine yeah. that they couldn't sing it live. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, believed that SNL had always done live music up until 2004 when mm-hmm. Ashley Simpson performed in the very famous clip of... Yeah. Her doing the jig. Yeah. So... After, like, the music cuts off and she's... Yeah. So do we know, you know, have other people done a lip sync performance before then? Maybe. But that's, like, the most iconic thing of, like, lip syncing gone wrong is on SNL. Yeah, I and it's kind of interesting because that kind of like exposes this whole conspiracy theory, like wondering who else is lip syncing. Yeah, but they they established the show to say like no lip syncing, none. Yep. Ooh, I found a couple. As you're like going through this list, you're looking at. I mm-hmm. found a couple fun facts about the show. So the first female head writer of the entire you know program was Tina Fey, and she became the head writer in two thousand. Mm-hmm. Um. The host that has done the most episodes is Alec Baldwin, and his first appearance was in 1990, and he has hosted the show 17 times Mm -hmm. since then. The musical guest that has appeared the most number of times, and this this data is from a few years ago, but I know he's going to be on the show, well, he was on the show the most recent episode, you Mm -hmm. know, before this episode, our episode comes out, Um, Dave Grohl. Between Nirvana and Foo Fighters, he, has, he <laughs> between 1990 and 2012, he had been a musical guest 11 times. The other really good one is so recently John Mulaney was the host and the Strokes performed. And he goes, ladies and gentlemen, the Strokes. <laughs> and it's all over TikTok <laughs> where it's like he recreated that salt and pepper moment just because he could. Oh, yeah. Just <laughs> with because the Strokes. Um yeah, I mean, so one of my favorite things to come out of SNL is literally John Mulaney. Oh, of course. Because John Mulaney is one of my favorite humans in the world. Um, I His think he's stand-up so is funny. so funny. I think he's so funny. And, like, some of the behind-the-scenes things he did as a writer are some of my favorite oh, moments yeah. in SNL. Okay. John Mulaney wrote for Stefan, and um, so Bill Hader, I guess, had a reputation for breaking character a lot. Yeah, no um, kidding. And John Mulaney did it on purpose so he like they would do like a dress rehearsal and he'd read like he know what he was saying yeah and then John Mulaney would change it last minute so like the that's very common for weekend update yeah so he like would try to make him laugh and I guess Andy Samberg would stand next to the camera out of view and shake his head to help like make it happen um but like Stefan's character and like his like and I think this is why one of the reasons he does this, but like when he covers his face, yeah. I think part of it is to cover the fact that he's laughing because yeah. John Mulaney's making him laugh. Yeah. Um, I mean, th- there's a point where he brings John Mulaney in um, to talk, of, or he's like the his lawyer that's telling him whether or not something's PC. 
Well, just thinking about it as you continue to go through this, who is your favorite, I mean, it doesn't have to be, you can just kind of name them as you think about them, your favorite SNL cast members? Um, from, like, actual SNL stuff? From the cast, yeah. Um, or, like, what they've, like, in general, including no. what they've done later on? No, just just during their SNL time. Um, we'll come to the later. That, okay, so I later. love Amy Samberg. I think he's really funny. He was really good during his time at SNL. Um, uh, I love Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, obviously. I feel like that was like peak SNL. Yeah. Um, I love Keenan Thompson. He said, he, he's flat out said he'll do SNL until they don't want it back anymore. Yeah, he he's like still so on it, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I was going to say Keenan Thompson as well. Um, I also love Nassim Pradad. Oh, um, she was really funny. Yeah, I mean, it's also really funny because they make her pay all, play all the ethnic roles. Oh, and totally. she just, like, goes over the top on them. Yeah. Um, I, so he didn't, he was more of, like, a writer during the time. But, like, Seth Meyers doing Weekend Update was a hundred times funnier than his late night show. So I was actually going to bring this up, but I think it's really interesting that Weekend Update's almost like an audition. Oh, yeah. For late night. Pretty much at this point. Um, because I think everyone that's done Weekend Update has ended up. On, At least the men. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, has ended up on, like, their own late, their night, own show. late night show. Um, Whether or not they're actually funny is to be determined, but they yeah, do. Yeah, Jimmy Fallon's not funny. Jimmy Fallon was not funny <laughs> on SNL. Okay, I'm going to go to Jimmy, Dan- oh, Jimmy Fallon do. tangent. I don't think he's funny. I, I think he's either. annoying, and nothing he's ever done is actually funny. He was not funny on SNL. He was, his late night show was not funny. He's also, like, a high-functioning alcoholic. I mean, so am I, but... No, but he's, like, apparently drunk on his show. I mean, we're drunk on our show. Yeah, but that's the premise of our show. <laughs> um, but, like, some of my other favorites... Um, oh, man. Uh, honestly, yeah. You said Tina Fey, Amy Poehler. Love them. Um, I thought Steve Martin was really I was funny. because I, I, I mean, Well, I mean, Steve Martin's that's a classic. Hard. That's hard because I really like Steve Martin outside of yeah. SNL. So I'm going to take that one back because I like him. I didn't watch much of him on SNL until after I already knew who he was. That's fair. Um, I saw a lot of Will Ferrell on SNL. So but I mean, at that point, you'd have to take back Tina Fey and Amy Poehler because you like knew who they were probably before you start, saw clips with them. Actually, no. I, I mean, the first time I did saw anything I remember SNL was 2008. And I had no idea who those women were because I didn't watch yeah, 30 Yeah, but they were, weren't I didn't watch members then. That Amy Poehler was. I don't think that they were. Um, 2008. Would have been the year she left. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I had known her before that just because... Parks and Rec didn't start till 2009. Yeah, I guess you're right, actually. Um, I don't think I had seen anything of hers until after. Huh. I don't think I realized that. Okay. Yeah, so she would probably be one... I'm trying to think who's been on that since it, it's hard because like obviously we would say like oh all of like Chris Rock Eddie Murphy but like we we know them past Before their that. SNL or years. after that yeah so since we've been watching I mean obviously Bill Hader Bill Hader yeah I think he's one of my favorites I actually really like uh Bobby Moynihan um, I guess also she would have been on during the time we would have been watching Kristen Wiig. Oh yeah, I love Kristen Wiig. That's a good one. 
Then uh, Maya Rudolph would have been Yeah, I was going to say Maya Rudolph next. I like to believe that they're best friends in real life, too. I really hope so. I, I like to if believe If they made that. a movie together as good as Bridesmaids, I really oh, yeah. hope that they're good friends. I mean, they do a bunch. I feel like they do other stuff together, too. Like, they've done a few things. Um, Kate Kinnon, the <laughs> lesbian queen. I did not realize she was a lesbian until doing research for this episode. But that, that's just what? because I don't think about her sexuality she ever. She talked about her partner on the first, like, at-home episode where they were doing episodes over Zoom. I haven't watched I think I knew that before SNL then, though. Year. Oh, I watch I've, We, I've, I've really we watch it every week, so. <laughs> um... That's actually a really interesting thing. So I don't ever, I don't think I've ever watched a full episode of SNL. We um, watch it, the, Steve and I watch it every single week. Yeah, I don't think I've ever watched a full episode. I really just watch, like, sketches. Yeah. Um, like, I pick and choose. Yeah. Um, and I watch some of the, like, musical yeah. artists. That's fair. Um, speaking of, I do want to talk about my least favorite performance ever from a band I really like. Okay, well, uh... Well, let's go to that next, because, yeah. Um, so, my least favorite performance has to be um, Arcade Fire performing Creature Comfort. Oh, my God. That episode was so... Their performance was so bad. I love that Even song. I thought I hated... Put Your Money on Me, it was not a good so, performance. I, I remember I, that episode. I thought I hated that song. Like, I, that was the first time I'd heard that song. That was the first time... Because their album wasn't out right. yet. Right. That was the first time... And I was like, this song fucking it. sucks. This is terrible, and I hated that song, and I did not listen to that album for probably a year. Yeah. Because I was like, this is going to be terrible. If it's like this, and I just didn't listen to it for a year, and I actually love that song. Oh, I know you do. We listen to it all the time. I know. I love that song. It's just a fucking terrible performance. Um, Also, the singer's wife is extremely annoying in that video. Um, Um, I'm just... There was somebody I just thought of. Oh. Um... It's not the worst performance I ever saw, but the first time I ever heard of the Arctic Monkeys was because one of the guys that sat next to me in my English class in middle school was like, yo, I just heard this band on SNL last night that I think you'd really like. And it was the Arctic Monkeys. Little did he know. Shout out to Julian, who doesn't listen to this. Little did he know. I would still be obsessing over them. Grow up to years Sim later. Alex Turner. I didn't grow up to simp Alex Turner. I've just never stopped. Oh, I remember this. Okay, so I looked up um, NME, who I consider to be the Bible of music or music. Um, they said SNL heroes about the best performances on SNL by your favorite perform- performers. And I saw this one live when Kanye West performed Black Skinhead. And it was one of the coolest performances. Like, I totally remember because he did Black Skinhead and Blood on the Leaves for mm-hmm. the two songs he did that episode. And it was incredible. Because that was when Kanye was still acceptable to like. Um, um, also I- on this list, it's got um, Billie Eilish doing Bad Guy, which was actually a... Oh, i That's the one this. where, like, the, 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 the room spins. Yeah. I've seen this performance. Yeah. Um, it is very cool. Um... I think I remember, like, looking up how they did it, because I was curious. So, it's... It's like a... It's a box. Right. The thing that was really interesting about about that performance is that watching it on TV is cool, but the people in the audience would have hated it. Right. The camera would have been, like, right in front of her. Right, and the 
camera's not moving with her, so it looks like she's on the side of it, but, yeah. like, the people in the audience wouldn't have seen it the way we were yeah. seeing it. so I think that one would, it's great for TV, but it would be super lame. Which is an interesting thing to think about, you know? Like, yeah. they don't often do, like, really intricate sets for, like, the yeah. artist. Um, and I think that's wise, because it makes it, like, not fun to watch. Oh, I, I've saw, seen, a, I've seen quite a few of these performances that are listed here. Um, the Megan The Stallion one was, re- like, obviously in the last couple of weeks... Um, they, they reference the first, the video, I don't, it's not on this thing, but they reference the very first time Strokes performed, the very first time Arctic Monkeys performed. Because at the time, when they performed in SNL, they were nobodies. Right. And now they're like huge names that we listen to all the time. Um, I've seen this Bowie one before. It's really old, but when I went to the David Bowie exhibit several years ago at, uh, MCA... They had a ton of videos of this when he performed The Man That Sold the World. And he was in this, like, weird, uh, like, box outfit and he couldn't move. Mm-hmm. It was really weird. But I remember that. I don't think I knew BTS did SNL. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not surprised that they have. You know what? I take back what I said about the first experience I have remembering SNL being the 2008 politics the first time i remember hearing about snl was when ashley simpson got caught yeah actually that is also the first time i think i'd ever heard about snl um and i i I would agree with you now that you mentioned that yeah um do you have i mean you've only seen like clips here and there but i mean you've probably seen a lot of the big the big ones so what are some of your like favorite sketches that you've seen um, Celebrity Jeopardy, I think, is one of my favorites. Um, All of those recurring ones are really funny. Yeah, I don't know that there's any, like, standalone ones, I think. Well, the concept for the Celebrity Jeopardy that's really good is it's always Sean Connery and... R.I.P. <laughs> and, um, Burt Reynolds. Yep. That's it's always so, yeah, that's those two. Again. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I think that's some of the funniest sketches is that was during will ferrell's years too Mm -hmm. um i really i know it's such a dumb sketch and i remember watching it like when i was still at home my dad hated it because i would die of laughter watching it was what's up with that where it's (laughs) keena thompson is this a game show like interview host it's always three guests and one of them's always bill Hader dressed as lindsey buckingham and because every time the guest says something, he goes, oh, you hear that? And it starts going into a song. And it's like, ooh-wee, what's up with that? <laughs> what's up with that? And yep. it just evolves and evolves and evolves. He's like, oh, damn, we're out of time. Sorry, Lindsay, we missed you again. <laughs> and it's always got, like, Fred Armisen just pops in the background. It's a guy playing the saxophone. Mm-hmm. And um, Jason Sudeikis is, like, a guy in a tracksuit dancing. <laughs> and I think it's so funny. Even though it's so stupid. What else? I think a lot of the political ones have been really good too over the years. Um, this Their most... ability to find like people that can just look like um, who they're playing is insane. Like honestly, Tina Fey's uh, Sarah, Sarah Palin, Palin is wild because she looks oh, so much like I know. Her. This season's been almost, like, painful to watch because Jim Carrey's been playing Joe Biden, and I don't think it's funny. 
It's Jim Carrey is an actor and a comedian is fine, but he's going like too crazy. So like Joe Biden seems like a crazy person, mm-hmm. like more so than he is. Yeah. But um, I think Alec, Alec Baldwin's Baldwin, done a good job. Yeah, Alec Baldwin as Donald Trump is hilarious. Donald yeah. Trump takes like so much offense to it too. It's um, so funny. I will say Maya Rudolph as Kamala Harris is so funny. Funny. Yeah. It's so She's good. also like a perfect one to do it. I know. She just has like the demeanor for it and mm-hmm. it's so good. But um, the other thing I, <laughs> I wrote down, I'm on a boat because I think that song to this day is so funny. Oh, I think so too. I think the Lonely Island is so funny. Well, if you think about during that time that Andy Samberg was on, the digital shorts were kind of like mm-hmm. his thing. Right. And the Lonely Island were the two other writers, like right. his best friends. So their bits together on during their time on the show was so mm-hmm. funny. Oh, I mean, I just had sex is a hilarious song. And I, and like do I find Justin Timberlake kind of annoying on SNL? Yes. But do I think that Dick in a Box is oh, yeah. hilarious and Mother Lover is hilarious? Oh, yeah. Yes. But um, my um, favorite, I said, was The Shooting, which is the one inspired by the OC, where it's like the guy writing a letter to his sister and then Andy Samberg, or it's Bill Hader is writing a letter to his sister and Andy Samberg comes in and shoots him and mm-hmm. it plays Hide and Seek by Imogen Heap. And then they keep shooting each other, and oh, it keeps playing yeah. the song over and over. Yeah, I remember that one. I remember that. I remember that short. And then eventually the police come in, and they get shot. And yeah, die. I remember that short. And then I also put threw it on the ground, which is where he's. I just remember he's like, my dad called, and I threw it on the ground. My dad's not a cell phone. I'm not part of your system. <laughs> Like someone wished me a happy birthday and I threw it on the ground. Happy birthday to the ground. So like things like that, and this is this will bring us into like what some of the things that have spawned out of mm. SNL are. That just reminds me of put a bird on it from Portland. Oh my god. And like I feel like there are shows where like people that have done SNL have come out of it, and you can see the obvious like um relationship like, of where they started yeah like you can it see like how it is like you can see like the impression of like snl on it like so let's go into influence. that so obviously we can just name some of our favorite shows i mean obviously portlandia, portlandia is Parks so and Rec. funny yep Parks um, and Rec, 30 rock oh, i love uh, 30 rock. um i mean like not explicitly related to snl but the people that have been on snl you know what's really interesting? Thinking about like shows that were a like offshoot of like people that came from SNL went to create these like, sitcom type shows. Keenan Thompson did the opposite. Right. He was on that. That's what he grew up doing. He was on all that. He was on Keenan Cow. The man had his own Amanda show every now. And the then. man had his own fucking TV show as a teenager, yeah. and he's just doing SNL for shits and gigs. Yeah, I. That is interesting that Keenan did the opposite, and it's, like, almost the, like, he, I mean, Keenan and Cal was, um, like, a sketch show, mm-hmm. so, like, he just eventually grew up to continue doing sketch, and, exactly. like, the biggest adult sketch yeah. um, show that he could. Yeah. Um, but I do think it's really interesting that, like, they've all gone on to do, like, really large and really funny Oh, totally. And well, then the other thing, too, on the other side of the spectrum, you get people that went into, like we mentioned it earlier, that were like 
the late night people. So obviously Jimmy Fallon, mm-hmm. Seth Meyers, technically Conan O'Brien was a writer. Right. So Conan's from SNL. Um, and then on top of that, you have the people that went on to do just like straight stand up. Yeah. Um, like John Mulaney, I don't know, Pete Davidson, whatever he's doing. He does stand up. Yeah. Does he though? Like he does some stand up. His special's really funny. He does some stand up, but is he really actually doing yeah. stand up? But then you have a lot of, I think the thing that's the most common though, is that people go on to be like actors. Yeah. So that's what it's, that's the next thing I was going to say is like, then they go like, the other portion, so, like, you have people going on to do, like, sitcoms, um, stand-up, stand up, or movies, or movies, um, and, like, the movie one is huge, like, Kristen Wiig is a huge movie star right now, like, I mean, Will Ferrell, Will Ferrell, um, I mean, Steve Carell is not on SNL, I don't know why I said that again, Steve Martin, <laughs> no, I was gonna say Steve, Steve Martin did, uh, stand-up, yeah, Steve Martin, um, I mean, including people that we didn't know at the time, like, Chris Rock, well, if you Murphy, think about it, like, people Bill that Murray, we think are we grew up knowing how famous they were and we got their start on SNL. SNL. Yeah. Like, yeah. Bill like Mar- Ed Murphy, Bill Murray, um, Chris Rock. They were yeah. all like on SNL first, yeah. but we only know them as like movie stars. Yeah, exactly. Um, so like it's, it just goes to show like just how much you Mike Myers. Do. Oh yeah. Mike Myers. How are we going to forget the voice of Shrek? So favorite, there's been a ton of like spinoff things from the show. I mean, I already kind of mentioned Wayne's World, mm-hmm. but I think I, I really, I grew up watching Wayne's World. I grew up, uh, my dad's, like, one of his favorite movies is The Blues Brothers, which was basically an SNL spinoff. Listen, it's not a good movie, but it's I don't know that I've ever watched Wayne's World or... You've never watched Wayne's World? No. The entire movie takes place in Aurora, Illinois. Have you never seen the scene in the car where they're like headbanging? Yeah, no, I've seen that. Okay. Human Rhapsody, yeah, I've seen that. You've never heard the phrase party on, Wayne? No. Oh, man, you are so Canadian. (laughs) You dumb Canadian bitch. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to think of any other big ones. I mean, like, we, in the recent years, we had, MacGruber had his own movie. Definitely never seen that. I didn't see it, but it was on HBO one time. <laughs> SNL spinoff with Will Forte is MacGruber. Oh, no, 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 I have seen MacGruber. Have you? <laughs> yeah, um, my ex made me watch it. Oh my god, wait, was Night at the Roxbury a spinoff of SNL? Yeah. No way. That movie is not as funny as I want it to be. It was a great concept. Yeah, Blues Brothers. So, another fun fact. Uh, one of our favorite podcasts, How Did This Get Made, mm. did an episode about the Blues Brothers 2000s, which is the second one. And it's not a good movie, but it's very funny. Yeah, Superstar was an SNL spinoff. I didn't spin-off. know that. Um, I've seen Superstar. It's not good. That's the movie you've seen and not. I saw that when I was Wayne's like World. No, I saw that when I was like eleven. It was like on sale, like a VHS or something. My parents bought it, That's and fair. it was not good. Uh, scroll back. Over. That that honestly, that movie made me uncomfortable. <laughs> like there, you know, how there are movies where you're so embarrassed, like there's scenes yes. where you're embarrassed for the person, and you yes. like, feel uncomfortable. That was me in the entirety of Superstar. 
Yeah, okay, so the most recent one, yeah, I've seen Superstar and MacGruber, yeah. Yeah, I've seen MacGruber, actually, now that I saw, like, the cover of it. Um, was Will Forte on SNL? Yeah. Oh, so he's also one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, I don't think I realized he was on SNL, but, like, that's a one of a, I guess, outside. Well, I guess he got a really good premise, like... Because he was on SNL when I was in college. Yeah, I'd only ever seen Will Forte in things um, with Tim and Eric. Oh, yeah. So he does... I forgot he, he does, does Tim and of, Eric. Yeah. Um, he also... I've never really gotten into it, but Steve watches it, that Last Man on Earth. I watched the first, like, two seasons of that. Yeah. It's fine. It's not his best stuff. It's not... It's not my kind of comedy. I had not seen all of these. You had not seen no. all of these. But we went through... As a fun exercise, what Screen Rant has called some of the funniest SNL sketches of all yeah. time. It's like 15? Yes. So uh, the first one, well, they go 15 to 1 per Screen yeah. Rant. So 15 was Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood, which was the Eddie Murphy play on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Um, I did not think that was funny. I don't think it holds up over time. I don't think it holds up over time. I will say they did a more recent version of it where Eddie Murphy hosted the most recent time. So what, 2019? And I think the more modern version was funnier and is more relevant and less, I don't know, gross stereotypey yeah. than the original one. Yeah. Um, the next is Sweaty Balls. Oh, that um, one holds up. That, that one one's really up. funny. That one's funny. <laughs> That's um, a good Alec Baldwin one. Yeah, it's also, like, a very funny, because if you, like, watch anything with NPR or listen to NPR... It's got um, the entire vibe. Yeah, it's, like, 100% the vibe of NPR. Yeah. Um, the number 13 was MacGruber. I think that holds up. So, MacGruber as a series, I think, is really funny. The, the film was... Yeah, weak. I agree. The film was not very good, but, like, the... Yeah. The concept, as as a standalone concept they did recurring, it was funny. Mm-hmm. Um, number 12 is Two Wild and Crazy Guys. That was my first time seeing it. Um, I don't think the sketch itself is funny, but I think the characters are, like, funny. Yeah. But I think it's a little bit in part due to who's playing them. So it's... I mean, it's Dan Aykroyd and Steve Martin. Yep. And I think watching this made us both realize Steve Martin was pretty hot. He still is. He's still pretty hot. He could have gotten it then. Yeah. Um, the next is Celebrity Jeopardy. I think that that one holds up pretty well. That one That's does hold really up. funny. Yeah. As much as I dislike Sean Connery, uh, it's a funny concept. Mm-hmm. Also, Turd Ferguson is fucking hilarious, and I will never not laugh at that. <laughs> the penis come? mightier is just a very funny well it's funny because they just mispronounce everything and, oh it's painfully funny the penis mightier the pen is mightier <laughs> um and then kitty cat on the mars mission this one made it's me... like funny and not funny at the same time like it's it made me cry laughing the first time i watched it so i don't think you watched you've seen the entirety of it no. but eventually the cats are like the cat he's like surprise i brought my little kitty cat with me and then the cat's in like flying in See, space i think it's funny but i also think it's just like 
it's too weird. much. It's weird. Um, like it's it's one of those things where like you could have ended it like a minute ago and it would have been fine. Now yeah. it's just too much. Yeah. But I do think it's funny. Um, so the next one's a Chip and Dale audition, which is Chris Farley. Mm-hmm. So it's like a really hot guy and Chris Farley dancing next to each other. So it's weird, but I I still find it. Funny I find to watch. most of the skits that or the sketches that have Chris Farley in them to be pretty funny. funny. Yeah. yeah. I think they still hold up pretty well because they're not they're done like, in, like, a time-sensitive type no, of humor. They're, like, a more wholesome, like, just overarching, like, joke. Yeah. Like, because he's in, he's, he's in, um, like, there's a Bears, like, De Bears. Yeah, the De Bears holds up really yeah. well. Yeah. Things like that. As his, his, Chris Farley, I really liked on SNL, but his stuff after, like, I don't find him that funny. He's too slapstick for me, but his stuff within yeah. SNL I find very funny. Um, and then Ooh, the next one's one of my absolute favorites. It's the haunted elevator with David S. Pumpkins. Mm-hmm. I had never seen that until just just now. Um, <laughs> I think I was like the whole so... time I was like, "What is happening?" I think it's until so like, funny. it's one of those ones that like I don't think you really get why it's funny until like the last moment you're like oh fuck like it's all building up to that it's like it's so absurdist and then it builds up to like this punchline and that's i get why you think it's so funny it's, like, i think you it's love hilarious absurd. yeah you i love, love absurd comedy uh fun fact i didn't get to wear it this year because i had nowhere to go beyond my own apartment for halloween but i have a david s pumpkins halloween costume ready to go whenever we can go somewhere for halloween so the next one is another Chris Farley one. It's the van down by the river, mm-hmm. which I think was one of the most, I think it's one of the most iconic. Yeah. Even if you haven't really spent much time with SNL, you've heard about the guy that lives in the van down yep. by the river and he comes to tell these kids about what life is like when you do wrong and you live in the van down by the river. Yeah. I mean, I think that one holds up. I think so too. Um, the next one is Papyrus. That's the one with Ryan Gosling, like, learning that Avatar, or, like, um, being, like, haunted by the fact that the Avatar font is in Papyrus. Um, and I, I mean, that's, this is my first time seeing it, and I actually thought it was really funny. <laughs> it's really I quite enjoyed the end of it, where, like, it just says Papyrus, but it's in Comic Sans. Yeah. They know what's up. Um, they thought that went through. They did. That's actually a really funny joke, just because I fucking hate both of those fonts yeah, so too. much. So the next one actually became through a digital short, but became a recurring thing when she hosted, but it's Natalie Portman raps. Mm-hmm. And essentially, she just goes into these really heavy raps and rips everyone apart. Yeah. And it's beautiful. Yes. Um, that, that holds up. Um, the next one is just digital shorts in general. So we watched, um, Great Day, which is the one where Andy Samberg is doing a heavy amount of coke. Yeah, it's, like, really funny, because, like, he starts to slow down, and then he does a bunch of coke, and then speeds up, and the song speeds up. Um, and then, like, he does so much coke that there's a point where he's, like, We're all in the Matrix. We're all seeing the Matrix, and he's seeing the code. And then, um, what is it, Bill Hader and Nassim Perdad are, like, they cut to them, like, like, with a baby stroll, and they're, like... She goes, what's wrong with him? And Bill Hader's like, oh, he's on drugs. And, like, they show, like, nobody behind him. And he's just, like, wiggling his body. Well, if you remember, we already said digital shorts earlier. But they did Lettuce, I'm on a Boat, mm-hmm. Dick in a Box, yeah. The Shooting, all the good shit. Yep. Um, the next one was... 
Olympia Cafe, which was a really early one from the late 70s. So it's John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray. And they're all restaurant employees that sell cheeseburgers. Mm-hmm. And they do Pepsi, not Coke. Yep. So it's uh, inspired by the Billy Goat Tavern here in Chicago. But that's the entire thing where cheeseburger came from. Got it. Um, I mean, the next one is Wayne's World, which I think we all know holds up. I've never seen the movie. You've never seen Wayne's World. I've you... seen the ske- the sketches, but I've never seen oh, the movie. Oh, okay. That's what so, I said. Yeah, I've never so, seen the movie. I mean, yeah, we all know Wayne's World. Mike Myers, Dana Carvey. Yeah. The OGs. Uh, and then number one on this list, I think holds up over time. I don't think it's the funniest SNL no. sketch of all time. I would I agree. Call it sketch. Sketch. I would agree. I don't think it's the funniest of all time. I, I do think, think it's funny. I think it's funny, but I don't think it holds up to this, like, comedy level standard. Yeah, I mean, this is also screen rant, so that doesn't necessarily mean that, like, it's the best list, but um, it's no, but more I, cowbell. Yeah, it's, you it's know, Will Ferrell the, with Blue Oyster Cult and yeah. Christopher Walken. It's not the funniest um, sketch. I do, I would argue it's probably the, I think it's the Funniest one on this list. I think it's just got the most fanfare around it. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, maybe that's why it's on the list as number one. It's like the most like yeah. renown. Um, but yeah. Because the girl with the tiny hands mm-hmm. did not make this list. And I think she should have made this list. Um, so to wrap things up, I mean, SNL has been a huge part of culture as a whole for a lot of years everyone's got their own opinions on their favorite cast and like what was the glory days of snl but like listen you're still laughing at it don't be a hater and we're all still hating jimmy fallon we all hate jimmy fallon so and chevy chase and chevy chase and probably other people that we just can't think of yeah but those are the Um, two ones we cannot stand the most yeah cool so with that being said, uh, thank you guys for listening. As usual, listen through the end of the song to hear our social media plugs. If you enjoyed this episode, which we both hope that you did, please go on your favorite podcast subscription service and give us a five-star rating. And if you're being extra generous, which, again, we hope you are, please leave us a written review because if you write us a fun review or if you write us any review, we will read it on the episode. That was the episode. So we love hearing from you. Um, and if you want to contact us, you can do so through our email address. It is drunkanduncultured at gmail.com. We are also on Facebook at Drunk and Uncultured Podcast. Our Instagram is Drunk and Uncultured. And our Twitter is Drunk Uncultured. No ant. And as always, I'm Lindsay. And you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Untapped at Lindsay Sold Out. And I'm Stephanie, and you can find me on Untapped, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr as underscore Stephen Color. And you can also follow my concert Instagram at Shitty Concert Blog. Stay drunk, guys. See you next time.